Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Salty Speculation podcast. My name is Nick, and today we're going to be looking at some freaky, spooky alien business. And speaking of aliens, joining me today is my co-host and co-conspirator, Jay. Hello, beep, bop, beep, 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 beep. Jay is also known as R2-D2 sometimes. I didn't know how to make an alien noise. <laughs> I'll be careful. <laughs> So like I said, today we're going to be covering all things alien, UFO, uh, and encounters and things like that. So we both have a couple of stories that we're going to tell. Um, we're going to sort of review and dissect them, um, maybe make a few jokes along the way. Can't promise anything. So uh, why don't you take yours away, Jay? I will. I will. Right. So quick question just before uh, I go into this. If I was to ask you to just describe an alien, what would you do? Tell me. Uh, well, how much money are you paying me to describe these? Four pounds seventy-five. Oh God. Um, well, so I would start with Adahopley. <laughs> I would start with uh, <laughs> big, big black eyes, uh, big round black eyes, grey skin, um, small, short beings with potentially long arms and stubby legs, um, and then the head would be kind of uh, overall shaped on the top that sort of then forms into a circle by the time you get to a bottom. So like an upside down triangle, um, but with like a circular top, I guess. Well done. You have described an alien, right? That was, and, yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, right. The reason I've asked that is that it's very obvious that that's the kind of thing he would. The only thing that I would have expected him to maybe have been indifferent on is the color of the skin. Uh, in some cases, you see that the skin's green, but mostly it's gray. Uh, that is why you get these particular aliens are referred to as the greys. Um, you get that in all forms of media. You get the, the, the referred to in the newspapers, the National Enquirer, the best newspaper of all time. Um, the any movie. There's no bias here on the Salty There is no, there is no bias, but the National Enquirer is good reading. Um, and and that's it. Now my story. The reason I brought I brought up the greys is my story ties into that. Um, this is essentially the the origin point of where that particular alien description comes from. And I thought you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you were ever looking into alien cases or alien sightings or alien abductions and not looking into this case. Um, so this is the, the case of Betty and Barney Hill. And it was 1961. It was September. It was half 10 at night. And the Hill family, right, they're going to their home in Portsmouth. And they were just having a vacation in Montreal and at Niagara Falls because, you know, it's all right for some. And this was pre-COVID. So you were allowed to leave um, and, you know, do stuff. Whereas now we can only look at pictures of Niagara Falls. So on the drive home, Betty, she notices like a light in the sky and she goes, sugar pudding, you know, because it's the 60s and that's how they talk. Sugar pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try that again. Uh, sugar pudding. There's something glowing in the sky. Am I supposed to say yes? <laughs> no, because you ain't sugar pudding. Thank but God. I, I know you fucking want to be, though. Right? So there's something glowing in the sky, right? And Barney, you know, he's quite cool-headed. Couldn't give a toss, right? He just keeps driving down the, um, what's it called? The US Route 3, because that's an attractive name for a road. He's not bothered. He spent a lot of time with this woman who's clearly mental, right? He's not bothered about glowing objects in the sky. So he reasons with her in a quite romantic way, I feel. And he goes, it's most likely a falling star. 
Oh, right. She seemed content enough with that anyway. So she stopped going on about it. That is until at the corner of her eye, this glowing thing isn't just falling down now. It's zigzagging all over the damn place. It's going up, down, left, right. You know, it's it's crazy. It's, it's enough to make her go, sugar pudding is growing bigger. And Barney looks at her and goes, that's what she said. Because, you know, that joke worked in the 60s as well. I think that's where it came from. Exactly. This is the original original version of that joke, right? So Betty, at this point, naturally, is freaking the fuck out because it's going all over the place, right? So it's she now when you see a shooting star move back and forth. Well, yeah, it's a shooting star goes down, not up, sideways, sideways again, another sideways, and then doing spirals. You know, it's, it's a bit much to ask. So, you know, Betty's freaking out. And she's freaking out enough to go um, and speak to, to Barney and be like, could you could you stop? Could you stop driving? Because we need to check this out. So Barney goes, eh, I don't think so. And she's going, no, come on. Let's just stop the car and take a closer look. And he goes, yeah, my little tuna noodle. Again, because it's the 60s, right? A closer look at the thing in the sky. I'll just park my fucking car on the moon, shall I? But he compromised. And they parked at this little scenic spot just south of a place called Twin Mountain. And uh, this is the bit I always find odd when I read about this, right? This must have been a sign of the times. Because Betty somehow just procures a pair of binoculars. What Were they just in the car? Yeah, they came standard issue with cars back then. Oh, well, fair enough. That was pretty good. But I just... But like this is always like every case of this I've read. She just pulls out a pair of binoculars, like it is the most like you, you know like normal thing in the world. Like you never go, <laughs> never leave my house without your binoculars, never, right? So she's got her binoculars out, which was the style at the time, and she starts looking up and she sees this odd shaped craft with flashing lights, acting like it's an illegal rave off the coast of the moon, like it's flashing all over the place. So she goes, sugar pudding. There's a flying glow stick party going ape shit above her head. That is verbatim, by the way. That is the quote, right? And Barney takes the binoculars and he's like, yeah, and he's having a look. And he says, it's most likely it's a, co a commercial airliner, like a plane. And it's where they are. It's most likely heading towards Vermont, right? He's quite logical, Barney. He's not buying into this bullshit until, because bear in mind, Barney's now got the binoculars, right? It changes his mind because as quickly as he's seeing it move in a straight line, sure enough, the craft starts zigzagging all over the place. It's flashing its lights and going crazy and going up and down, you know, and generally being just a wee shite in the stars, right? So at that point, it's now broke the logical Barney. He now doesn't know what he's seeing. So collectively, they shit themselves, and you do what any normal person would do in this situation, get in the car and drive. Drive full speed. So they're at this point, they're on this. It's, it's a weird area to describe, especially considering we haven't been there. I'm taking this purely from des descriptions that I've read online about the case. But obviously, they were they were short of this this twin mountain place. So they're they're in an isolated road. That's I can't tell if it's going through the mountain or if it's going round it. But either way, they're on a mountainous a mountainous road, isolated. So it's quite dark up there. There's not a lot of, you know, like unnatural light and light pollution. So you're basically just going by your headlights and the stars. So as cool as that sounds, it is quite terrifying, especially if they've just seen a flying disco going over their head. So at this point, they've been driving a little bit and they realize that uh, they can see uh, uh, um, in front of them, they can see 
a a a restaurant pit stop, and they think to themselves, right, we can maybe stop there for a rest or whatever. Um, but as much as they can see the restaurant, they can also see this floating flying disco about 80 meters above the restaurant, right? And that's enough to make them go, what is this, right? What's going on? It's now followed us from where we are around this mountainside onto this thing where it's now closer. Now, because it was close enough, Betty makes an assessment saying that she thinks it's about, I mean, this is the official assessment. She thought that the ship craft spiraling disco, whatever the hell it was, was about 60 feet in length. It's rotating constantly, and it's spiraling as well. Now, as far as I would say, those are the same thing, but apparently that was the description, right? But if I was in a flying disco, that's what I would make it do as well. So it's not unheard of, right? So Very, very I, kind of quintessential description, I think, of a, of a UFO. Exactly. From the exactly. Um, and, you know, and it's, it, it, is, it is absolutely, like, I would be terrified to see that if I was driving around on a mountain road and there was a giant thing with lights like floating above me. So they're scared out their minds and they decide that the best course of action is to get away from this mountain area and head to the highway, right? Which for UK viewers, uh, listeners even, is a motorway. Big motorway. And they want, it, they want to head there, right? What do you think happens when they go for the highway? They disappear into another realm. No. Illegal space rave follows them. Right, uh, that's what happens. Right, so they're now on the highway. They're now driving whatever speed limit that they've got, or possibly breaking the speed limit. It was the sixties; people didn't give a shit. Right, and they've now noticed that not only is it following them, it's now hovering in front of them, but maintaining their speed. Right, Barney is now relatively beyond terrified, but he mans up. He stops the car and goes. Tuna noodle. I reckon we might be fucked here. <laughs> Again, verbatim. Right? Wait, wait, wait. This wait. Is... What's a tuna noodle? I, it's a pet name, like sugar pud. It's from the 60s. Read a book. I want you to find me a tuna noodle. I, I don't appreciate you interrupting my story with your uncultured views, to be perfectly honest. Right? So tuna noodle. Tuna noodle. I reckon we might be fucked here. Again, verbatim. Right? And now this is the bit that kills me about this. This is a genuine quote, unlike all the other quotes I've said are real quotes, right? Barney, in later life, described the craft that he saw when he got out the car, looking like a huge pancake with lasers. <laughs> right? Now, if that's not just the best description of a UFO you've ever had, like, I, I mean, when I read that, I was like, yes, this is a man I could take seriously. <laughs> this is definitely a man I could take seriously. So, Barney, at this point, he's seen his big pancake, gets a bit hungry, gets out of the car, decides enough's enough, right? So in the most American way possible, gets out of the car, grabs his binoculars and a pistol, right? Another thing that people seem to carry uh, quite, quite often as well. It's like no one doesn't carry a gun. Well, why would you, why would you carry binoculars if you weren't going to carry a pistol? Right? Use logic. Right. So just, just in case you see damn damn alien. <laughs> right. So he's got his binoculars, right? And he has a look. And this is what he says he sees. Right. Apparently, this craft or flying pancake space party has windows, clear windows. 
and he can see through them, and he sees and he counts 11 humanoid figures. He describes them as shorter than most humans, but with bulging big heads and grey skin. And they were all wearing a glossy red and black uniform. Now, that's enough for me to think, not just aliens, not just an illegal rave. This is now an alien flying BDSM party. But this was the 60s, and that would have been unusual, I'd imagine. So he stuck with the alien theory, right? This is when he completely lost the plot. Somehow, and he can't figure out how, it's, he's not sure if he heard the words or if this was telepathic or, you know, if there was some like announcement from the speakers or whatever. But he apparently clearly was communicated to to stay where he was and not move. And when he heard that warning, the craft itself started to descend very, very fast and a mechanism of some sort started lowering from the craft to the ground. I'd imagine that was a ramp, but he never officially states it's a ramp. He just says it was a mechanism, right? So. Barney goes, feck this, and runs for their life back to the car, right? And he goes, tuna noodle, pump that shit, and drives like a bat out of hell, because of course he would, right? Betty's looking out the window. She's trying to see, you know, where this thing is, because, you know, they're driving away fast from it, and it's already followed them once before. She's trying to find it. She eventually rolls down the windows to get a better look, and if any movie will tell you, that's a bad move. That's just silly, right? And sure enough, as soon as she did that, the car started to feel um, there was like a vibration pulse going through the car. They could both feel it. Uh, Betty could feel it sitting in the passenger seat. Barney could feel it coming up through the car steering wheel enough that he felt like he was going to lose control of the car. Right From there, they then started feeling as if the, the vibration was in their own heads. They started hearing beeps and boops, all other manner of Star Wars noises. And then their senses just completely dulled. So they report that they were being in an altered state, right? Not a state in which they were like experiencing fear and crapping themselves because these, this thing was chasing them and it now seems to have engulfed them. But they just weren't experiencing anything. It's like they'd just been switched off, which the whole concept of that, in my head, is horrifying. That, that sounds absolutely horrifying. It's like, there's one thing losing control of your body, but like, like completely losing control of your senses and your mind and your... Yeah, and, and all that. That's it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, anyway, they hear a few more beeps and boops. Beep, 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 right? Come back to life. And they figure out they've somehow traveled 40 miles without realizing it from where they initially encountered this and where Barney got out of the car. Um, in their heads, this has only been going on for a few seconds, but sure enough, they jump, they've jumped 40 miles. So they get home around like dawn time, all right? And they, they discover when, because obviously they didn't have mobile phones and everything else and all that sort of stuff, right? They get home and discover around this point that about two or three hours of this journey is undocumented. From where they were to where they were going should have only taken about maybe four or five hours, right? Now there's like three hours of this it's uncounted for considering they left about 10 o'clock the previous night. Um, and considering they only stopped briefly at that little picnic spot. And this is the weirdest thing as well. I've actually seen this trope in TV shows and films before, but I believe this might also be the origin point of this as well. They claim that the watches and things that they were wearing that night stopped working around midnight, which correlates to the time that they first initially saw the thing in the sky. And the watches never worked again, but that's why they lost the concept of time. 
they didn't realize what time it was till they got home and realized, oh my god, it's it's done. You know mm. what I mean? All oh, right. So, so that... they thought they thought it was the right time, but then then yeah, when they got exactly. home, they realized it was a different time. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I will say as well, right? When it comes to the, the thing that really gets me, that, that that's essentially where this story ends, right? Um, they get home, they don't see it again, and they're fine. Now, this story took a good few years to gain any traction. They did tell reporters and stuff about a week, two weeks after it happened, but it, it wasn't like they were going to um, local media companies and saying, look, we've got a story for you, we want it on the news and that. But they were talking at a church group a couple of weeks after because Betty apparently started having weird dreams. And she was seeing the creatures in her head. Now, apparently, Barney had never actually described the aliens that he'd saw to Betty. He was too scared to do it. So when Betty had had these dreams where she could describe in detail these little gray creatures up close with the red and black glossy uniforms, right? He was like, okay, well, I never told her that. There's no way she could have seen through the windows of the flying pancake without binoculars, which we'd already established that Barney had taken. So he starts, you know, worrying about it. So he starts talking to the church group and stuff. Because, like, back in the 60s, that's what you would have done. Churches yeah. were, like, support groups back then. So they, Especially in, they did in that. America. Exactly. So from the way that this story goes towards the end is that they got in touch with, uh, there was a guy at their church group who was apparently a military guy of some sort, or something to do in the Air Force. I, again, it gets a lot deeper, this story, but I didn't want to go that deep for this episode. But they started doing like hypnosis sessions, like actual military hypnosis sessions to see if they can quantify their stories between each other. And um, apparently, when they were having different sessions at different rooms at different times of the year and stuff, they were still able to tell the same story with no issues and nothing that contradicts other the, points. The story was the same throughout the years sort of thing. Exactly. Now, as I said, it took a good few years for that story to gain any traction. But it doesn't matter if you believe in that alien story or not. The fact is that when that story hit the headlines on a national scale a few years later, the media, from then on, had its poster child for describing aliens. Mm. And that has stuck with us since around 1965 to now. And it's still the same thing that you see. Even like if you see alien graffiti or stuff like that, it's always the the gray alien, right? Yeah. And that's the story where it comes from. I mean, it might not be the most exciting. Well, I know fairness. If you don't consider a flying pancake with lasers exciting, then there's something wrong with it, right? But there are numerous, numerous alien uh, alien uh, stories and abduction stories out there, right? But that to me is the original, and it's worth having a look. Yeah, and to me, it's got all the hallmarks of uh, an alien encounter, obviously, seeing the beings, seeing the flying discs or UFOs. It's got tele uh, telepathy. They, you know, this, this guy received some sort of warning in his head. Um, track uh, Vibrations on the car. Do you think, mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that sounds like it's almost like a tractor beam and then abduction. You know, they, they lost time. Hmm. Um, so... And in, in hindsight, actually, now that I think about it, I'm, I, I started this story with the with the ideal that this was the origin point of the Greys, but 
with you pointing that out there, it seems to be the origin point of many things that come mm. in. I mean, Ros- Roswell, New Mexico was, was what, 40s, I want to say? Yeah, but that, was, that wasn't an abduction. That was a No, that was it's a just crash. a crash. That's yeah. the story yeah. goes, where, the, where, the, where something was found and then it was covered up, whether you believe the weather balloon report or, or whatever. Mm. Um, I mean, that, that was the 40s around then, I think. Yeah. But okay. this is like an actual, like this was the first encounter encounter yeah, where there was a description that reached the headlines of national news coverage of this is an alien. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So mm. I have a, a couple of questions. Like, um, okay. Number one, Barney and Betty, weren't they the characters in the Flintstones? No. Pretty sure they were the neighbours, right? Barney and Betty. They were. Wait, they, they were. were the neighbours. But at the end, right? <laughs> Common names. It's the sixties. They weren't, you know, as imaginative. Back I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I just, that was the first. At the end of the day, this so. could be the origin point of the Flintstones. <laughs> okay, right. We speculate a lot on this show. <laughs> yeah, prehistoric <laughs> episodes <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. So, um, the, so you you mentioned that in the story they um, they drove towards this restaurant, this truck stop or whatever it was. Um, has there ever been any any documentation or any interviews or anything from anyone else seeing it? Because if they were if they were near like a rest stop or a truck stop, um, obviously they were on an open road. You've got to assume that maybe some other people were there, perhaps. Ah well see here's the thing, right? If that was Britain, I'd say yeah. Mm. Because it doesn't matter the time of night. You're gonna you're on our roads. All, all all of our all of our major motorways connect to major cities and civilization points, mm. right? And you so from that, even if it's the middle of the night, you might not be passing like cars, but you'll be passing trucks and lorries and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing the deliveries, but in several areas of the U.S., the roads are so isolated from from everything. That it's not unheard of to be driving on a highway where you're the only one on it, you know. Especially if it's not if it's not close to a major population zone. So they're like they're they're heading on a highway, but if it's heading away from a city in the middle of the night, it's yeah, it's not unreasonable that no one would be on the highway. Your best bet would be that that restaurant. Now, from that, I would have said that was maybe like a truck stop or something, but. They didn't stop at the restaurant. They just they used the restaurant as a point of reference. Yeah, yeah. and that's when they saw it again and just thought to themselves, "No, we're just going to keep driving and get to the highway." So that's my answer on that one. I, I mean, there might have been other reports that came out from it, but I chose to focus more on, you know, Betty and Barney. Yeah, and I, I always think with these kind of things, like if I think about how many times I've seen something that like. I wasn't quite sure what I'd seen, like whether it was a light in the sky or whether it was, yeah, yeah. you know, a figure in the distance or something. You know, I, I wasn't sure. I wouldn't report it either. You know, I wouldn't mention it. I wouldn't bother saying anything. Um, so it's, it's, and especially, you know, back then when, you know, not, not everyone had access to the internet and could be on social media and things like that. You, you know, you're not going to go report it to your local police and tell them what you know oh, i think i saw something in the sky but i didn't i don't really know or you know um so it's it's uh it's difficult to i think 
really safe that other people had seen it and just didn't come forward. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it is one of those, how do you, how do you verify it? But I know what you're going to ask. You're, you're going to ask, what, what do I personally feel about it? Well, I, I was going to ask you a specific bit, actually. I was going to ask you, what, what, what do you make of the time warp part? If they're, descri- if they're describing to me that they've lost control of their senses, right, where they feel like they're in an altered state, sort of like if you were given, um, you know, the stuff they give you in hospital to knock you out if you're going to go on a surgery. Um, um, no, but like if you're if you're like senses have been dulled and stuff and they've been put into a state, it's not un, unheard of. Like that, it's the same as when you go to sleep. You know, if you fall asleep for five minutes, at least you think it's for five minutes yeah. to realize that two hours have passed. Or, or if you have a dream, um, you think that that dream's gone on for like five minutes, but it's gone on for hours. Yeah, yeah, but it's like you've, especially when it's that that type of sleep where you haven't quite reached that deep of the sleep cycle, right? Where you've, it feels like you just shut your eyes and opened them up again, but suddenly you're two, three hours down the line. I'd link, I would, you know, compare it to that feeling, to be honest. And that's how they went through 40 miles without realizing it, which obviously is incredibly freaking dangerous, but, you know, they were alive to tell the tale. So that's, that's my feeling on it. It's interesting as well, because... Obviously, they were in the car, weren't they, when they were, when this happened, and they've travelled. So, the question, there's another question of, did they travel in the car in this altered state of mind, and they still actually could do things, and, you know, the guy was still driving? Yeah, it's um, like being put on autopilot. Barney was still driving. Or, did the shit, the, the, the UFO, you know, take them on board, like, pick them up in this tractor beam, which is why you know, effectively the vibrations would have happened, um, mm-hmm. abduct them, and then drop them off, you know, yeah. a few hours down the line of where they would have been. Which then begs another question. How inconsiderate of these aliens? Because quite frankly, you have a giant space pancake. If you can pick up a car, take them home. You know, if you're going you're gonna to all this, you know, like cause a horrendous night and terrify the poor people, at least you could do is drop them outside the house. But no, no, 40 miles down the road, that'll do. Now, in terms of what I believe on this, this is the origin story, as far as I'm concerned, for a lot of alien tropes. So this, yeah, so this was the origin point for um, the grey alien trope, right? Um, And as we've discovered from talking about it here, it's pretty much an origin for a lot of different, like, alien encounters that you see, you know, as as Nick pointed out, the, the car vibrations, the, the lights, and all that sort of thing. Right? In terms of what I believe about it, see, nowadays, if I heard this story, say it happened last week, I'd be a lot more skeptical because the first thing people would do is, if that happened to them, is they take to social media, they would start calling. Well, they'd, they'd pull out their phone and record it, wouldn't they? Yeah, but there's that. But l- let me finish my point, though, because that is that's assuming the story was was real, right? I, I'm I'm basing this on like pure skepticism here, right? Nowadays it would be shaky camera footage on a phone, people saying it's real. It would be uploaded on TikTok and all this sort of stuff with the hopes of it going viral, right? And getting attention so that they go viral so they can make some money out of it because that's what ha- like you see it with ghost stuff as well nowadays. 
where people seem to only upload ghost footage because they want it to go viral so they can start, you know, selling products in the comments and stuff, right? As they put it, chasing for clout. Mm. But the reason I, as much as this might have gained some media coverage, like back in the, I mean, I think it eventually started getting picked up in headlines. Uh, maybe not. It's not headlines as in it was like front page news, but it was it was in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. It it got to that in about 1963, so two two years afterwards, right? These people only started talking about it to reporters and stuff because they spoke at a church group, because Betty started having these dreams and Barney got worried about it. So they talked to the church group. The church group had this uh, Air Force fella there who was obviously concerned about what he was hearing and wanted to do more tests on it. From him organizing the tests happening is when media coverage started to pick up. And of course, you know, it's a health service thing. So it was never going to take long. It was never going to take a short amount of time. It was going to take two years just to organize these tests. You know what I mean? So, but what I'm saying is they didn't pick up a fuss. They weren't doing it to get national outcry. They weren't doing it to get media deals or any of these things. It's something that they experienced. They kept themselves, and they only started talking about it when one of them started suffering, right? They weren't doing it for any form of reputation. In fact, something like that, especially telling something a story like that to a church group, you're more likely to ruin your reputation yeah, than you yeah. would be to do anything else. Now, granted, years down the line, yeah, there have been media stuff. Uh, there have been films, there have been TV shows covering this exact case and i'm sure they would have obviously made some money about it and i have no issues with that what i'm saying is they never initially started out telling people to gain any form of monetization that happened much 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 later and it happened naturally so they weren't out there chasing daft stories and making daft stories for own personal and financial gain they were just something happened they told it and it spiraled from there. Whereas nowadays, I don't, I, I would, anything that I see, I just think, well, this could be edited, that could be edited, this is done for clout, this is because they want the viralness, they want to go viral, they want to be known, blah, blah, blah. It's like making your mark off lazy content. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it, it's a shame, isn't it? Because there's so much, like you say, hoaxes and, um, like you say, people putting things out there that want to be, who just who just want the the attention and the fame and possibly monetary gain? That if yeah. anything real ever did surface, it'd just be lost in the shuffle, and no one would believe exactly. it. So that's why I feel that this just that 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 point there is what I think. And I know this sounds daft, and I know it's completely personal opinion, and I, and I realize that, and I respect that. But that notion alone of how they started telling the story gives that story to me a lot more credibility than I'd say about 80% of the alien stories out there. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah, and I know exactly what you mean. And um, it's not crazy because it's part of the reason why I chose my story as well. So, uh, you know, Oh, well, that's there's, good. See, this there's better there. We have the same train of thought. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, I don't know about your flying pancakes, but... Uh... Hey, flying pancakes with lasers. So, unless you had any more on that... Uh, no, I've, I've, uh, I think I've, uh, I've covered everything that I'm, I'm willing to say on that. I mean, we could delve into that topic for 
for hours and hours, but I'll be perfectly honest with you, Nick, I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, my story then um, is a little bit earlier, takes place a little bit earlier. Um, you, you may have heard this one. Um, it's, it's quite popular. Um, from 1955 is the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. Ah, yes. So, yes. so Hopkinsville is a, um, a, a place in Kentucky, uh, mm-hmm. America. Great chicken, by and way. yeah, great chicken. Colonel Colonel recommends it. <laughs> um, so this story uh, involves the Sutton family, who mm-hmm. were eight adults and three children. So this was um, a mad house, by the way. Yeah, a bit a big house. So, but this was this was um, uh, a lady, her adult sons their wives their children and a couple of friends as well so all in all eight adults and three children and um takes place uh in summer of 1955 so like i say a little bit earlier than jay's story um and basically starts where um they the family and these friends are at their house in hopkinsville kentucky uh, a, a remote farmhouse basically and um one of the guys goes out to fetch some water from the well. As and do. as you do, it, because it's 1955 and you live in the middle of nowhere. Um, is, is, that a, is that a requirement of living in 1955? Is that you have I think walk? it is. I think oh, it is. Right, fair enough. Yeah. That was a different time. I think, a, I think there's a well tax as well. Jesus. Um, so he goes out to get some water from the well uh, in the evening and he notices a metallic object in the sky um, seemingly like moving in an arc towards the ground. Um, oh, so and... well, you say moving in an arc towards the ground, you mean like dipping down and dipping back up again? Well, no, so just dipping down, and I'll, I'll, I'll get there in a second. So just dipping down, moving in an arc towards the ground, it's got a multicolored trail behind it, which is interesting. Okay. Then it disappears behind the trees. Uh, like I say, they live in quite a remote area, um, mm-hmm. forests all around. It disappears behind the trees about half a mile away, and then he hears a dull thud. So this thing is obviously, whatever it was, hit the ground. Mm. So he runs back in to tell the others that, he, you know, that he's just seen a, a, a flying saucer, a UFO crash. And obviously they don't believe him. You know, they think it's a prank, um, as you would, you, you know, as you yeah. would. But as time goes on, he's he's quite persistent, and he he gets one of the other men to go back outside with him to have a look, um, who who eventually agrees, pulls him outside, and at this point it, it's getting dark. It's the evening. Um, I think they were going to settle down to dinner. Um, it's getting dark, so he takes the other man outside, and they're they're looking, but they can't really see anything. Um, and just as just as they're about to sort of give up and and go back inside, uh, they hear something in the surrounding woods. They hear like twigs breaking or, or uh, leaves rustling. Oh, so like so there's something outside now. Yeah. So oh. then they look up um, and they see a dull glow moving towards them in the trees. Yeah. And it get, gets to about 20 feet away. And they notice that it's now it's, it's a small humanoid figure with short legs and thin arms, about three and a half foot tall, mm. with large round eyes. And pointy ears. Pointy ears? What, like an elf? Pointy ears. Like a goblin. Like um, a this is sometimes called the Kelly Hopkins, 
Hopkinsville goblin encounter as well. Which is not a mouthful at all. <laughs> not at all, no. Um, but the funniest thing about this thing is that it seemed to be floating just above the ground as well. So you you know that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns comes out of the woods illuminated bring you by... <laughs> yes. Yeah. I imagine that <laughs> when, I, when I hear this. <laughs> so, so they came out and it was like, oh, it's Mr. Burns. Kill it! <laughs> <laughs> Trust you to do the Scottish character. Well, I, I thought if I did any other one, it would be racist to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, God. So, creepy. That's so, like... yeah, really, really creepy. And they see this thing and they turn back in the house and they run, they run back in to tell the others what they saw. And again, the others are skeptical. They're thinking this is these guys are playing tricks on us or whatever. Um, but shortly afterwards, the, the men start arming themselves. So one of them grabs a shotgun, one of them grabs a rifle. An American response: grab your binoculars, grab your exactly. gun. Exactly. <laughs> Which again, like I say, is you have to have a gun um, in America, I believe. Yeah. Um, and the the other people in the house then start to get a bit more concerned. Like, right, well, whatever it is, it scared them enough to actually go and get their their so they end up sending the kids off to bed because whatever's going to happen you know probably isn't going to be good um and then as they're as they're they've done that and they're sorting everything out um one of the ladies notices a figure standing at the back of the house and she screams and as she screams it obviously alerts one of the other guys with the gun um and he shoots through the screen door that they had and hits this creature and the creature, uh, when, when the bullet hits the creature, it makes a metallic rattling sound. I guess I'm thinking when I hear a metallic rattling sound, I'm thinking like when you shake a spray can. The noise it makes. Are you talking about when the bullet impacts as if it's like the impact yes. noise that's making the noise? Yeah, yeah. Right, so okay. so as, as the bullet hits, it makes this metallic rattling sound that, like I say, I, I can only imagine like when you shake a spray can, that kind of clink. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Uh, okay. Um, and the, but then the creature just retreats back into the woods, seemingly unhurt. So apparently these things are these things can't be injured by the by the bullets, but they do. You know they are noticeably affected by the impact. Yeah. Um. So then they hear another scream, uh, and the children come running in, saying that they've seen strange face peering in uh, the window uh, in their bedroom. So they the, the adults run in there. Um, they run into the bedroom and they see a face peering through the window. Uh, the guy blasts it with a shotgun, and again it retreats into the woods, seemingly unhurt, uninjured. Yeah. So this carries on for the next few hours. Uh, the family would hear scratching sounds on the roof. They would see faces peering through the window. Um, they'd see they'd see them moving through the trees uh, just outside the property. And every time they got close enough. Um, these guys would shoot at them. Um, it's, they estimated that there was about three or four beings. However, they estimated that they shot about 15. So they didn't know if it was the same beings coming back mm. um, time and time again, or if it was genuinely, you know, like 15 at least. So at around 11.30 at night, the activity seems to um, decrease. Uh-huh. And they take this as a chance. So they all get in the cars, um, the whole family, and they drive to the nearest police station. And they report this to the police. Now, obviously, the police are a bit, you know, sceptical. But noticing the, the state that this whole, you know, and we're talking about 
I th- what did I say? Eight, eight adults and three children. Yeah. Noticing that say that all these people are in the fact that, and the fact that the guys have said we have shot, we've been shooting at these things all night. Mm. They at least probably thought that well, there's there's possibly a shooting. You know, there's there's a shooting happened. There's something happened. So we we need to we need to investigate. Yeah. And the police send five state troopers and three deputy sheriffs, and we're also accompanied by four military police. <laughs> so, so because there was some guns that were like yeah let's bring everybody <laughs> yeah it was obviously a slow night and they, these guys needed something to do um, so they all turn up at the property start investigating and they find extensive damage to the property as you can imagine windows shot out sh- uh, gunshots uh, gun blasts uh, causing holes through the roof windows <laughs> shot out you know um Bullet bullet shells everywhere. They f- they find complete evidence that this thing has happened, but they don't find any evidence of these creatures. So to the police, it just looks as if they went mental and started blowing holes in the walls. Yeah, which I guess is weird. If you would blow holes in your own, like shoot up your own house for no reason. Um, Again, it depends how bored you are, really. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. So they interviewed the neighbors who corroborated that they could hear the gunshots um, and they also said that they saw a strange light in the woods but they had assumed that it was this family out looking for their livestock or scaring off uh, bobcats or you know doing something like that and that's that's what they then assumed the shots were for they were doing farmer things doing farmer things exactly um so the police leave, obviously not really being able to find any evidence of these creatures. Um, and the next day, these neighbours, um, or, or a set of neighbours, go around to the house and find that it's actually abandoned. There's no one there. And it turns out that about about 3.30 in the morning that night, the figures had appeared again, and the family just booked it straight to um, like relatives staying elsewhere. Yeah. So this... This family were were extremely shaken up and extremely affected by this encounter. Of course, um, you would be. As... I, mean, I mean, not not aliens aside, blowing the shit out of your house out of sheer fear. Of course, you're going to be affected by that. Doesn't matter if it's aliens or if it's just home invaders. That that would scar you having to go through that experience. You've got to think as well. This sort of time, 1955. Uh, you know, rural Kentucky. This isn't, you know, it's not like today where if you're renting a property or anything, you just you just jump onto another rental property and you you know pay some similar money. This is someone's family home that's probably been you know generations uh, in their family. Yeah. Um, you they they wouldn't have necessarily had the money to just go and buy another house. Uh, yeah. It's also their livelihood if they're if they've got a farm there, they've got mm. animals there. Um, so, so obviously, what happens? Uh, you know, the media pick up on this, um, yeah. and there's a media circus. And apparently, at first, the Suttons and those involved were quite forthcoming and happy to talk about the incident. But over time, they realised that they were being ridiculed, um, and in the end, they they started to refuse comment. Yeah. But those who did manage to talk to the family um, would always say over the years that again, that like your story. Their, their story has not changed. The, the details of the story remain the same, you know, years after the fact. Um, and what's even more interesting is a few months after this incident, the family actually vacated the property. They were obviously shaken and scared enough that mm. they didn't want to live there anymore. And they left. And I don't blame them. 
I wouldn't blame them for that at all. I mean, absolutely. Well, I, I would have, you know, I say I, I would have probably just left the next day. But again, you know, this isn't like today. You can't just go and find another house, and you know, it would have been hard to leave your belongings and your your livelihood behind. So, so those those couple of facts alone, again, the stories didn't change. Um, they didn't seek out media attention or fame or money. Um, and they left, they eventually left the property a few months later, um, is very, is very telling, I think, of the details in this story. Um, and the fact that it was eight, it was eight adults and three children that all saw this thing, you know, Mm. I know a lot of them were from the same family, but some of them weren't, Mm. um, it really does. And the fact that the neighbors also reported seeing lights in the woods, it does, you know, everything kind of lines up. There's nothing here that just, you know, doesn't doesn't make sense. What some people have said is that these beings um, could have been great horned owls uh, oh. that apparently are in the area. Yeah. Now, and and I, I, you know, I've looked at some pictures of great horned owls and read a little bit about them. And you know, they they're nocturnal. They're very territorial, so they could attack. They have these big eyes, but. Yeah. Uh, you know so so you could you could amount some of the things to okay yeah maybe but the fact that they were bulletproof and they made a metallic <laughs> which, which let's face it you know, owls are notorious for not being bulletproof um, yeah i th- if i think of owl, i don't think bulletproof um yeah. so so they're they're saying potentially it could have been could have been these owls um also there's there's some reports that maybe the family had consumed alcohol but there was apparently there was no evidence of that hmm when the investigation was done there was no evidence that that they'd been drinking at all yeah um and like i say they they never financially gained for this uh they they were relatively poor so why destroy your home and then leave you know months later everything about this to me sort of everything kind of lines up and obviously you know we don't have the benefit of the documentation that we do now uh back yeah. in back in 1955 and we're going on people's stories but uh and and newspapers and and uh media from the time yeah you know you you know me I, I in my stories i like there to be real physical evidence of things now i know there isn't physical evidence of these beings i don't know the crash the 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 spacecraft or the the object in the sky is never really mentioned again mm. um so I don't know what happened to that, but I, you know, I like with this story that, that there was uh, there was a real report of things happening. They really did fire at their house. They really did destroy their house. And also something that you don't always hear. They went straight to the police. They didn't yeah. wait. They didn't tell friends. They didn't contact their church group. They went straight to the police and reported it. Now, I don't know about you, but to take me to go to the police and report something. Yeah. It would take it would take quite something for me to do that. If I, like I say, if I thought I'd seen something or I wasn't quite sure, I probably wouldn't bother. But yeah. to, to have something happen that you're like, right, we've got to go straight to the police. You've got to at least in your mind have no shadow of a doubt that what you've seen is what you've seen, or what has happened is what's happened. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I, th- this to me is is it sounds very credible. Again, because due to due to the passage of time, we don't know how credible all this information is mm. but what's here and the story the, the way it's told all lines up it's difficult to pick holes in from my point of view 
Yeah, no, I see. And I, it's it's interesting as well because like it, it, it sort of does another narrative when it comes to reasons aliens are sighted. Right. So in my story, for example, they might have been supposedly abducted or whatever, right? But they let them go. Which mm. says to me that if they were abducted, these beings, whatever they were, did this because it's almost like they, they wanted to observe us closer. Um, sure, yeah. And that seems to be quite prevalent in, in a lot of alien stories. It's, it's yeah. not about killing anyone or, or harvesting organs yeah. or anything. But in your one, they've, they've obviously they, they've, they've broke that boundary and they've come closer to, to the house. So they've, 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 they've been quite brazen about it and they've come to the house. Yeah. They've also had violence pushed against them. So, I mean... Yeah, that's a good point. They don't, they're not aware of what a rifle is or, you know, mm. a gun shell is. But you know that they're going to know what it is when it hits one of them in the goddamn chest. It might not have sure. hurt them. It might not have, it might not have hurt them or, or, or anything like that or injured them in any way. But there's no other way you could logically take that as a, other than a, an act of defense. It's violence again. Yeah. yeah. And and you you raise a good point because it's it's not from the story. It sounds like these beings crashed probably un unwillingly. You know you don't you should yeah. crash a spacecraft if you're planning to. This wasn't a planned landing. This mm. was a crash. Now imagine let's just you know imagine if you were the alien or, or whatever these creatures were. Wait, wait, give me, give me a second. Give me a second. I'm an alien. Right. Okay. I'm there. I've imagined. I'm an. <laughs> If you were these aliens and you just crashed on a planet that you weren't terribly familiar with, yeah, and you couldn't, you know, your spacecraft spacecraft was wrecked, whatever, yeah. you would probably the first thing you would do is seek out intelligent life for help or or seek out materials. So the fact that they're coming to this house and whether they're seeing the people inside or not, they're they're trying to investigate, try, possibly even trying to find shelter, you know, hmm. um, and like you say, the first thing we do is shoot you know these guys do is shoot them you're going to know that that is whatever whatever planet you're from whatever species you are you're going to know that that's a that's a threat yeah um and that's not a good thing so it's interesting because yeah what what if they didn't shoot these creatures what would have happened if they if they you know opened the door and and yeah. tried to converse with them or something it's it it, it is a scary thought because it's like again you always wonder if situations like that are real, what you would personally do, yeah. um, and, and and I think it's easy to it's easy to wonder and say, oh, I would probably do this, but but until you're in that situation, you yeah, really don't I, know, do you? I and don't that's... fault them for taking no, rifles, no, shooting, especially when right. So right, there might have been eight adults in there, but there are also three kids, you know. Yeah, and again, they're they're peering through the windows of the kids. Now that that makes the story like a hundred times creepier anyway, just at the fact yeah. that the kids start screaming because something's looking in the window, right? Mm. Just because it's happening to children. Always in stories, children are safe. The second that children aren't safe, it's a lot more fucking real. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and absolutely. Like, absolutely. So the idea behind that is absolutely terrifying. So I do not fault them at all for the first instinct, grabbing rifles and firing. Um, it's terrible that they destroyed their house on it. But if you felt, if you genuinely felt that threatened, that you were so unsure of what was going to happen, it's justified. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like again, it's what happens in that situation if they didn't have rifles. What were they going to do? Start yeah. throwing 
pots and pans at them. I mean, I mean personally, I'd have thrown the children at them. <laughs> Just be like, take them, take them and go. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and um, it, it, like I say, just it just it raises obviously a lot of questions, but it, but it also, you know, a lot of things make sense. Um, the fact that they went straight to the the police and they reported it, and the police came out. This is this is supposedly documented, obviously in in those that police uh, police files and records. Um, mm. So it's it's to me it's a really interesting one because it's very tangible. You know, we mm. have there is there is a lot of tangible stuff. Um, and and again, like you say, we we'll, we don't really know what's happened to them. There are there are reports in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, like I said, of these goblin creatures. Mm. Apparently, they're said to live in mines around this area. It's, to some people, it's unclear that it, it, it's it's not necessarily that these were aliens. It might be that these were the goblins, and the the, the metallic object that crashed simply uh, awoke these things from out the mine. Um, so. There's still, you know, still more investigating oh, to be done. Oh, so see that. That on its own. The idea that some alien, right, has caused something that we don't know about in in this, like, in this planet to awaken. Oh, that's terrible. Or is it that these these things that live in the mine are those aliens and they crash landed and now they live in the mine? So, you, don't, you know... You don't really. It's it's quite unclear, but but that's probably you know uh, one for another day. If we have any goblin like you know professors listening, <laughs> you know people goblin professors who know and study the ways. Of it's them. a great it's a great profession. We, goblin we, professor. We very like like we would very much like to know what your take is. Is that something that's likely to happen? Are goblins known to come out of their caves and mines? Because an alien's crashed, is that something that you could cooperate with us? So, like, we want to get to the truth of this. We want to get to the meat of this. So, this might have been happened in nineteen. What was it? Nineteen forty? You said nineteen fifty-five. Nineteen fifty-five or whatever. Right, that happened back then. But we want the truth now. So, get into <laughs> and we'll, we'll we'll start. We'll get to the end of this. Yeah, and there is there is other stories that kind of surround this or seeing similar things. Um, or similar occurrences happening, but again, this is the sort of initial original story, um, and it's just one that I really like, and just just makes me think. Sometimes, even uh, the first time I heard this was probably a few years ago, and it's just one that's always stuck in my in the back of my mind. Yeah, no, I, I can understand why it's a it's a hell of a story. Um, again, I think I have seen a movie that was roughly based. I'm sure there is. Maybe the, yeah, the, the sure there is. I, I can't really remember the name of the. It, it was. Um, see, one of my things. I, I love watching like really crappy horror films, right? It, it's it, it's um, it, it's one of the. I, I don't know. As crappy as they are, I get some amount of enjoyment out of a bad horror film, and occasionally, some alien films slip into there. And I remember one that was like a found footage type of deal. Where it was a family in a in a home in America in the in the sticks somewhere. Um, it wasn't as many as eight adults and all that sort of stuff, but it was like one was filming the entire event and all that sort of shit, right? And I, I can vaguely remember that the aliens did they, they did the same sort of thing. They were coming to the house. They were peering through windows. They they fired at them through doorways and and stuff like that. Um, but of course, it's a horror film, so like they don't just 
bugger off and leave. The aliens do break in and they do kill them. But I do remember they had the same face shape of aliens, but they were wearing like silver suits, which would sort of go into the whole metallic thing there. So that's why it's making me think that that film was based off that event, which is quite cool. Actually. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't yeah, recommend I watching that film, though. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is don't watch the it. slowest moving alien in the world right and there is genuinely a scene where they're right, picture a long hallway right so like you know like a hallway from a bedroom to a living room right with just open space all the way between it and you can see it with the doors open and the guy with the camera is backed up fully against the wall pointing the camera at the alien slowly walking from the other room towards him screaming the entire time not at any point thinks I could jump out the window. I could jump, I could run through the door and run out the other end of the house. No, no, no. Just for two and a half minutes, screaming at the slowest moving. It's paralyzed with fear. Well, you'd think maybe he would come with a mute button then. Because that's the end of the film. And it, it just completely took me out of my realism. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so um Let's let's kind of wrap things up here. Um, so, just overall in general, your thoughts on on aliens at this point in time. Have you ever had any experiences? No, I'll admit I have never. I mean, I've met some humans that I would consider aliens. Um, like there's definitely some people that I know out there that um, that fit the the whole alien persona. Hi, uh, Trex. They're weirder than they are normal. Oh, yeah, well, if you've ever had a conversation with Trex, there's nothing human about them. Um, but no, right, I've never seen anything. And it's, it's. I, I've mentioned this to you in the past, right? Like I've sent you articles and stuff of, of things that have been seen. And I've pointed out to you that I, I always get annoyed if I miss things like meteor showers or, or all that sort of stuff, especially if it's been very, if it's documented close by. Because I want to see one of these things. But I just, I'm never in the position to see them. Um. In terms of what I believe, I, I I don't rule out that there is aliens out there because I I there's there's either two ways of looking at it. I can't remember who it was that came out with this particular quote. It's like there are there are two ways you can go about this. There is either nothing out there, and we are truly alone in this universe, right? Or there is something out there, and we don't know about them. And both of those points are equally as sad. And yeah, and equally as scary. Yeah. And I, I I just can't imagine that we are the only planet that has ever had some form of like life forms that have evolved to the point that we're at recording a podcast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I refuse to believe it. But at the same time, I I, I believe that. A lot of, like there's a lot of theories out there that people turn around and say things like, "Well, if aliens are so advanced, why don't they make themselves known to us, or why don't they come and uh, like like why don't they come and visit us?" Blah blah blah. And I'm just thinking, well, that's just sheer ignorance. That's the human ignorance that we're yeah, not that's as humans are the center of the earth. Exactly, we're not as important as we think, you know. And quite frankly, if someone has developed, if like a race out there has developed like space travel to the point where they can go to any planet or whatever. I would come, if it was me who was the alien, I'd come to this planet, take one look at it, see the shit we're doing and go, I'm just going to go to Mars. Fuck that. Yeah. You know, 
Well, speak, speaking of Mars, um, uh-huh. you know, there's 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 obviously the theory that a well, there's a there's a lot of theories with Mars, but um, one of the theories is that obviously there are aliens on Mars. One of the other theories is, and and you know, I I I could subscribe to this, um, is that humans originated from Mars. Where does that theory come from? Probably the internet. <laughs> so 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 the thing the thing. The thing about Mars is, I don't, I don't keep up to date with all of the Mars information. But as far as I was aware, um, Mars. Is, the more we find out about Mars, the more we find out that it was once like Earth, which makes sense because it's fairly close in the grand scheme of things to Earth in terms of yeah. the universe. So you would have to think that well, if Earth is you know of a certain makeup, uh, you know. And it could have things like water and trees and all that. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe at one point in time, Mars did. And and they did say at one point, I don't know if this is still true, that Mars went through a polar shift, which is what then um, caused it to eventually, you know, become dust and rock like it is now, mm. barren. And that's the, the Earth has polar shifts every, you know, however often it is. Um, I don't know if it's years or, or no, I'll admit I can't comment on that. I'm not a scientist. Yeah, I'm not. Like I said, I'm not an expert. But basically, uh, you know, and, and then they they found evidence that there were lakes or, or streams oh, and yeah, rivers yeah. on Mars. There was at one point water. To me, it all just starts to point that, you know, Mars was effectively probably similar to Earth. And, and Earth will effectively one day become more like Mars. Mm. Um, so, so the theory that there could have been other life forms on on mars Mm. to me makes sense if 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 we're saying that life can be supported here on earth in the same climate then why not why not next door in mars you know um and 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 again i'm not saying that oh yeah well we came from mars it might be that we've been to mars and we've you know uh that's the alien uh the aliens is us going there Yeah, yeah so it's it's just interesting that that whole thought process of of humans some in some way being being connected with with Mars, our space neighbor. Um, and again, I, I'm I'm not too familiar with it, but it's it's just an interesting thought that you know, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we could have we we could have come from there, or or races and aliens could have come from there and visited Earth. Mm. <laughs> um, I tell you what, I've got a question for you then. Right. And again, as, as we're just discussing theories, because apparently we're Martians now. Right. I, I've always liked this theory. Um, and it is, again, full on conspiracy theory, but, you know, salty speculation and all that. Right. The idea that most of our jumps in technology over the past 30 odd years, because let's face it, in the past 30 years, technology has jumped a lot. Like it, it's mm. been the evolution of what we've done with technology has been considerably quicker than in the past, in the last 30 years than it has been for like the past 200 years, right? I love the theory that that is possible because of some alien technology that was found, right? Whether it be from a, cr- a crashed spaceship or something that the government had taken, um, they've covered it up, researched the technology in which was in some alien craft or whatever, Right, and then developed it into 
technology that we as the general public could use, right? And I, I love the idea behind that. And I'm not saying I believe in it. I just think it's like, as a concept, it's very cool. And I'm just wondering, what would you, do you think there's, there could be anything plausible towards that at all? Or do you think that we're just going at standard growth and this is just humans being badass? To be honest, I think I think you can quite easily and clearly explain tech, electrical techno, technological growth mm. by what's come in the past. Uh, you know, you can look at the computers of the sixties and seventies and understand how we progress to what we do now. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, logically as well. The thing is, logically as well. I I I agree with that, and I understand that. I mean, I'm a big technology buff, and I know that part of the reason that technology jumps as much is because we make technology which then designs new technology and. I'm just throwing it out there for George Foreman grill. That might as well be fucking magic. <laughs> right? Like that, that, that is a household purchase that for a mere, a mere 20 pounds changed my life. Right? And then that, that was alien. Cooking was alien to me prior to that. Right? So I'm just saying, right? Like if aliens. I mean, it must have come from his face. Aliens <laughs> are the reason for that. And then. As a thank you, abduct me anything, right? It's the yeah. least I. Can do. But but I mean, with you you say you know you say that, but then if we look at things like you know it's still up in the air as to how people how they built the pyramids, yeah. uh, you know, and and how these ancient stones have absolutely no gaps in them that you know we can't figure out. We couldn't do that today. We couldn't lift them. We couldn't cut them. We couldn't mold them together. Oh, you and me would struggle to build a table, Nick. So, yeah, you and me specifically <laughs> would definitely not be able to. But, yeah, no, I get your meaning. So, so to say to say that that isn't something that's happened or or could happen is is probably probably a bit silly. But um, the 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 other thing I was going to say is um, we're we're just talking here really about like electronic technology. What if there are other types of technology? What if you know that we we can't we can't perceive you know that the alien races might use, mm. um, I, and I can't I can't really it's hard to sort of no, think I, of I one. But I understand. Technology didn't always mean electronics, did it? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And we and we have we have advanced in in technology and and um, you know uh, robots and AI um, and all that exponentially but that's i think that's because we've we've always had a need to advance that stuff yeah. you know uh not not 20 years ago we we didn't have phone uh, mobile phones or, or a lot of us didn't some of us did yeah um only the rich kids <laughs> but um you know and then and then it was and snake two on the Nokia 62 theories <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and, and and then it was then it was decided that actually you know they can make technology they can make it cheap enough now that actually everyday people can afford them and wouldn't it be great if you and your family and your friends could have phones to contact each other more mobile phones to contact each other more regularly like i remember sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring you know or, or mm. having to call people to check if they were in and you'd have to ring someone like four or five times in a day yes. to see when they were coming where they were back I, do, you, do you remember do you remember when we had to cut our text messages down to make make words make sense when we had to cut out like half the sentence just to get our point <laughs> because if we didn't we'd get charged another 15 people 
Kids, yeah, I do remember kids, that. Good, kids yeah. Nowadays, don't know how good the car. That's right. That's right. I'm one of them now. I'm one of them. Saying kids nowadays don't know how easy got it. <laughs> but my point is, there's there's always been a need to develop these technologies, yeah. and as long as there's a need and a desire and a willingness to pay for products and, and get these products, then then I I can see the logical steps. Um, you know, when we st- if we start, you know, suddenly being able to transport matter. You know, from one place to another, then then I might you know sort of sit up and say, well, hang on, that's that's a hell of a jump. I'm from, just from saying, you now. technically can. I mean, have you ever heard of a bus, plane? <laughs> I mean, they are. I know, I know, I know, I know where I know where you live. It might seem like technology, <laughs> like like a miracle. Use uh... <laughs> no, no, but no. Oh my god, what are these round things on the bottom of it? This is like I believe someone in Liverpool has just invented the wheel. Um, <laughs> but no, I get I get what you mean. But at the same time, I understand. Yes, you're right. As a, as there's a progressive need in those things that you can see to make the world more efficient, there will always be an evolution jump to make that thing happen. And then the more efficient yeah. you get, within within want to be and everything else. However, all I'm saying is, if aliens were a reason that we were able to make that evolutionary jump in technology, I'm all for that. Because I, I wouldn't necessarily believe it. Again, I just think the concept behind it is incredibly cool. Because, like, say, for example, you use like a microwave, for example, and you're sitting there just to use a microwave just to warm up some food. When what you don't realize is that could have been part of, you know, a subburner engine on a bloody uh, spaceship of a federation of aliens out there. And now we're using warm up macaroni. You're exactly right. So look at look at things like the ancient alien theories, where you know Earth was visited by aliens um, in you know kind of prehistory, um, and that's where they got the technology to do things like build the pyramids or, mm. or make these great stone uh, works. They got that technology from aliens in these in these theories. Mm. Um, so it, who's to say that we haven't at some point in history been given technology? Um, yeah, I mean far beyond you know our understanding at the time. Um, the microwave, as you as you said, maybe that started off as as some sort of alien, unfamiliar technology to us, and we, from we took point, it and developed it into something that can cook our chicken. From from that point, you can tell just how fundamentally, uh, fundamentally, and universally basic I am. When the two choices that I came out with are a George Foreman grill and a fucking microwave, um, and a bus, and a bus, yeah, <laughs> Don't forget just, the bus. like, like <laughs> there's a really alien word I've never heard before called a reaver. <laughs> <laughs> it's some sort of space language but but no 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 so that's well to be perfectly honest i think we should get to the point now where we've discussed alien theory we've discussed our own thoughts and feelings on it um we've learned some interesting stories today um i'll i'll be the first to tell you right now that your one creeped the hell out of me mostly because it involved Good. It's like the sort of more invasion than it is, you know, like, you know, coming and just observing us, you know what I mean? And that's, just, that, let's face it, when you're ever thinking of aliens, that is the the ultimate point. If they ever did make contact, why? Are they here to be nice or are they here to, you know, invade, you know, and cause a whole load of shit, right? And in my story, they were just being arseholes. But in yours, th- there was there was a scuffle. So, well, I mean, I guess technically in mind, the the aliens never really necessarily fought back. 
Um, I'm just saying, they, if it's they never... shot at and you continuously keep trying to get into the house. I'm going to say that that's violent. Like not well, they're nothing but not determined, little buggers. Yeah, yeah, but that, I mean, I mean, they've always said that about aliens. That's, I mean, that's that's why they can do space travel because the the determination is real. But um, but no, we've we've learned a lot. Um, again, as with the last topic when we were talking paranormal stuff, if any of you guys have ever experienced anything yourself, um, whether it's you saw some lights in the sky or maybe you you noticed that someone that you you, you thought you knew for a long time actually had gray skin and bulging eyes and a crappy wig on they could potentially be an alien we want to hear about it um and as i said you'll we'll, we'll have our links to contact us as well so by all means send in your alien stories as well i'd love to read them absolutely and if if you are an alien listening to this get the hell off my planet <laughs>